Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060 Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Also dominated the offensive glass. Chances are you'll get more than one opportunity. Arthur for the lead. We've answered the final four from a couple years ago. Hawkins. And Sonogo lays it up and in. 18 points. Jerome Tang sets it up. Going for the lob. Keontae Johnson on the receiving end. You fall asleep on the back line. Here's Vescovi now for three. No. Davis comes out of the pack. Boyd running up ahead. Boyd to the rack. He lays it in. 57-44 Xavier. Burton comes up short. They're driving it. They're doing the right thing without Nungie in the game, who's right up there now getting back. Boom. Bottoms. He's going to keep shooting. On the ropes here in Des Moines. 340 left to Sue. Dessous again! 22 for Dylan Dessous! Hart makes some defensive plays in this game. Yellow oh, plays oh, Look at Miller! Get it out! Man, actually hit him in the elbow when he was up so high. Swing it over to the other end. Is it gonna go? Yes! Looking for a little body of Walker now. He clears out. Jed's gonna drive in and kick it out. Sasser from the corner! Dagger! That's a three! And especially with Keontae George scoring, they got to find some offense from somewhere else. Kalkbrenner again setting the screen. Freeze up. Nedbar trails the three points. Reeves trying to get a step on Kaminga. And Reeves finds LeBron. That's a three ball, and it's good. Corner three for LeBron James. And bootleg means fake it and go over and same thing here. They hand it off right up the middle. Barniak is the fullback. It's Elliott into the end zone for the game's first touchdown. Dallas took just three minutes and change to go the 82 yards. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Friday, March 24th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUSAM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, UConn versus Gonzaga. Who wins on Saturday and also what caught your eye on Thursday? Plus, who you got today? Top by Texas versus Xavier. LeBron James was the media out of line, you know, basically uh, you know, guessing his injury status. Zeke Elliott, what team would be the best fit for him in 2023? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. At 9.15, we'll have a Xavier and Texas preview. Adam Bohm will join us from the Cincinnati Enquirer. 9.30 or so, be interactive action, 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup topped by his Suns and Kings preview. That'll be a brief preview. 
and also a little around the Western Conference. Meanwhile, in the final segment of the Sports Zone, it'll be the National Roundup. That'll be topped by the latest line for day two of the Sweet 16. And uh, look at the Saturday Regional Championship game opening numbers. And some of those have changed, not a lot, but a little bit in the last few hours here. Also in this hour, we'll have our final daily spring training report and lunch for two at Porta Subs. Then after the sports zone from 10 to noon, it is the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. And that will include analysis of the uh, Thursday Sweet 16 games, a preview of the uh, Friday Quartetta games, and a look ahead to the Saturday regional final games. That's a lot of stuff. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, who wins the West Regional Final on Saturday, Connecticut or Gonzaga? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. Gonzaga, 67% of the vote. UConn, 33%. Connecticut has demolished its first three NCAA tournament opponents, while Gonzaga rallied from second-half deficits in its last two victories. What stood out, in addition to that question, obviously, what stood out during the Thursday games in Las Vegas? Uh, the uh, Connecticut dominating win over Arkansas and Gonzaga's latest thrilling NCAA tournament victory over UCLA. Meanwhile, Kansas State and Florida Atlantic meet in the East Regional Final. On Thursday, Kansas State outlasted Michigan State in the first overtime game of this year's NCAA tournament. That was before Florida Atlantic shocked, shockingly dominated on the boards and rallied in the second half to beat Tennessee. What do you think made the difference in Kansas State's overtime win over Michigan State? And why did Florida Atlantic rally in the second half to beat Tennessee? On to today's Twitter poll question. Who you got tonight, ATS in, in Kansas City, Texas minus 4.5 or Xavier plus 4.5? And, and Kayla has the update for this. Texas, 66.7% of the vote. Xavier, 33.3%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Sean Miller gets another opportunity to reach the Final Four. He needs two wins this time. Remember, he used to be called uh, the best coach in college basketball, never to have coached in the Final Four. Uh, Rodney Terry, the Texas coach, still has that interim tag, and he's just two wins away from reaching the Final Four in the state of Texas. Meanwhile, in addition uh, to those uh, those questions and games, uh, the other three games tonight, Alabama is going to throw out some general consensus numbers here. Alabama minus 7.5 against San Diego State. Houston's laying 7.5 against Miami. Creighton minus 10 against Princeton. Who do you have ETS in those three contests tonight? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, LeBron James responded to reports about his injury status. There were multiple reports early Thursday about James' return. After that, he tweeted, uh, I'm just going to basically paraphrase what he traded, uh, tweeted out that basically you people are wrong. You don't know what the hell's going on. And that's my paraphrasing of what he said. The media insiders, they certainly are kind of erasing uh, to get the story, and it doesn't seem to be terribly accurate. We'll see when LeBron plays. Maybe they were accurate. But my question is here, 
have media members and, and the media insiders, let's call them the media insiders, have they gone overboard, whether it's the NBA, NFL, or anything else, uh, with their rusted judgment to uh, basically break stories. Meanwhile, heard through the grapevine, kind of along those lines, former Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott has narrowed his options about where to play in 2023 to the Eagles, Jets, and Bengals, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. So let's just say that this is an accurate report, and I have no reason to think that it's not because these teams all kind of make some sense for Elliott. So which team would be the best fit for Elliott in 2023, the Bengals, Eagles, or Jets? Also, in addition to these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show all the way back to yesterday? Uh, That is today's pipeline. We will get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's, hopefully, and I'm certainly, I'm almost certain, you never know for sure, almost certain sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602 260 1060 or you can tweet the show at kdusam1060 or twitter.com slash kdusam1060 basically the only rules are accuracy and objectivity if you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad you will be the target of this Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by a Texas Xavier preview. Adam Baum will join us from the Cincinnati Enquirer. I talked to him about two, three weeks ago, uh, right before Xavier had ruled Zach Fremantle out for the season. And uh, things have, uh, they've won, they continue to win games without him at this point. At that time, it was they were kind of a 50-50 proposition of winning games without him. But they're still playing in the Sweet 16. So how is his injury? And now we know he's out for sure. Has that changed the way they play? Sean Miller, is he maybe enjoying things a little bit more than he did in his U of A days in the NCAA tournament, which he seemed to just be kind of in agony even when they won? Uh, we'll cover some of those things and more. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSA M1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. Your home, the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The University of Arizona basketball team was eliminated eight days ago. Sean Miller's current school, Xavier, playing tonight in the Sweet 16 against Texas and Kansas City. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Adam Baum of the Cincinnati Enquirer. And Adam, back for more. Appreciate you coming back. And uh, let's go back to the games uh, for Xavier last week. The first, the rally to beat Kennesaw State. Let's just start with that. Did you think Xavier was in trouble in that game in the second half? Yeah, I, I thought we were done. Um, I thought, I thought the uh, the NCAA, their NCAA tournament experience was going to be very short. And you know, sitting on press row there, on the floor, that was the vibe that I got from a lot of the people who were sitting there. So um, the the fact that they that they 
scrambled the way they did and, and they turned that game around and were able to survive. I think that worked wonders for them in the second game against Pitt. So how did they turn that first game around and why did they win that game? Well, I think what happened was the biggest thing was they put Colby Jones on Kennesaw State's point guard, Terrell Burden. Mm. Colby's their best on-ball defender. And Terrell Burden, they were using some high ball screen stuff, and he was getting downhill, getting to the rim, sort of causing havoc in the middle of Xavier's defense. And they put Colby on him, and he the game really changed in that one little decision that they made. You know, they strung together a few stops. That led to a few a few shots falling. And from there, it was like they got a little more momentum, a little more momentum, and they just clung to that momentum and really held on to it. So that one little defensive change uh, really saved their season. Yeah, the second game, as you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of uh, that first game sparked them in that second game, but it was certainly an impressive start-to-finish win victory, basically against Pitt. What stood out to you in that game against uh, Pittsburgh in uh, Game 2 of the tournament? Well, that, that game is, is a prime example of how Xavier wants to play. They want to push the pace. They want to get out and run. They want to generate as many possessions as they possibly can for their offense. They, feels like, they feel like that gives them the best opportunity to be successful. And what really stood out was they scored 48 points in the first half, and their leading scorer, their point guard, Sule Boom, who's been arguably their best offensive option all year, he didn't score in the first half. They got 48 points with zero coming from their 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 leading scorer. So that's a window into how dangerous Xavier can be offensively. They shot it well. They passed it well. In the first half of that game, they had 17 assists on 19 made field goals. Mm. And, you know, they lead the country in assists per game. So that's the, that's the Xavier offense that has been there for most of the season. It was good to see it arrive in the NCAA tournament, and they're going to need that offense tonight against Texas. But that that was, to me, you know, them being able to do that on the national stage in a big moment, win or go home, it was good to see them get rolling like that offensively. Yeah, we had John two or three weeks ago, and I brought this up. But for people who have missed it, I'm sure U of A fans are just kind of uh, still in shock watching Xavier play. You know, Sean Miller's uh, teams in Tucson were kind of a half-court slow-prodding thing. But you explained to us how Miller really changed his philosophy during the one year off. Could you get into that a little more again for people that missed it the first time? Yeah, you know, he spent that year out of basketball really thinking about what he wanted to do differently. And, uh, and he thought about it every day. He watched, he studied, he had a, uh, a yellow legal pad with him. Um, his wife told me that it basically never left his side, that, that he was constantly thinking about this, how he wanted to play, how he wanted it to look, how he was going to work on it before the season even started so that his team could hit the ground running. And, and he walked into a situation at Xavier where the personnel really sort of fit with how he wanted to play. So he, he was fortunate in that sense. But um, he wants to play fast. He wants to get out and, and run. He wants that ball to move and have energy. And, and that's really – you saw a prime example of that against Pittsburgh. Of, mm. And this is another team where, you know, Xavier last year was mostly the exact same roster that they have this year, with the exception of Sule Boom. They were 250th in the country in three-point shooting. They're top mm. ten 
in three-point shooting this season. So they, they've, he's really emphasized this slow offense that generates a ton of good looks, and they've been disciplined in taking good shots, which I think has really led to them being able to score points with really anyone in the country. I want to cover one more thing about the Pitt game. Obviously, Sean Miller, a Pitt alum. What, what was that game like for him last weekend? Well, there was a, a ton of Pittsburgh media there. And at the NCAA tournament, you get to talk to him the day before the game. And the day before the game, he had a 20-minute press conference. I would say 18 of those 20 minutes were questions about his time at Pitt and, and you know, playing there and what it's like. And, and this is a guy who... Sean Miller, I think people forget his final game at Xavier the first time he was there in 2009 was a loss to Pitt in the NCAA Mm -hmm. tournament. So um, I think that there was a a lot of emotions in play there for him, and and it just brought up a lot of memories of his time at Pittsburgh because he got asked about it repeatedly. Uh, But, you know, all the guys on the team on the roster, they got questions about it too. So it was one of those things where it was like it was the – the story of the game was really had nothing to do with the game. It was about, you know, Sean Miller being a pick guy. And I thought he handled it pretty well. And, uh, and his team certainly handled it really well too. Adam Baum of the Cincinnati Enquirer currently in the sports zone. Yeah. Miller also during his university of Arizona days, I, I think it's safe, safe to say he didn't seem to enjoy trying to reach the final four. Uh, the expectations obviously were pretty high in Tucson is he maybe at least enjoying the current experience some during the last couple of weeks here? Yeah, that's that's been a, a theme that, that we've talked to him about time and time again, you know, since he came back to Xavier, which is that, you know, I think that he's gained a little bit of perspective. And, you know, he doesn't live and die as much with every result. I think he doesn't have as much pressure or he doesn't put as much pressure on himself to sort of reach the lofty expectations of a fan base. You know, he's well aware that he's never gotten to the final four. Xavier as a program has never gotten to the final four, but you know, to be where they're at right now in the first season, I think it's given a lot of people at Xavier and probably even Sean Miller confidence that, that they might break down that door someday. You know, you keep getting to the second weekend, you keep giving yourself opportunities. Eventually you're going to find a way. And actually, after that pitch game on Sunday, I asked Sean Miller, one of my questions to him was, you know, did has this weekend, has this season, has it reminded you that you can still do this at a really high level? And his answer was basically that he's never lost belief in himself, that, you know, if for as, as rough as things got there, you know, this year is the first time Sean Miller's coached in the NCAA tournament, I think, since 2018. So I think that this year and being able to do this, you know, with a new team, with a new roster, with a new coaching staff, implementing a new system offensively, I think it's reminded him that he's still more than capable of doing this at a really high level and getting the most out of a roster and a team. You know, last time we uh, had you on was the week before Zach Fremantle was ruled out for the season. Now that we know what he's done, how's his uh, absence, and we know that he's out for the season at this point, changed the way that they play? Yeah, well, I think it certainly tightened up the rotation. You know, depth is a problem for this team. 
but it's made them a better defensive team, actually, because you lose Zach, you take him out of the lineup. The guy who replaces him is Jerome Hunter. Jerome Hunter is six foot eight. He's long. He's athletic. He can move. He's one of their better defenders. Zach was very much offensive minded. You know, he was not a great defender. He was prolific offensively. This is a guy who had a triple double earlier this year. So you're removing a really good offensive guy, and you've plugged in a really good defensive guy. And I think the reason why it's worked is because Jerome has he's he's doing a good job on defense, but he's also proving that he can score a little bit too. In the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, he's 14 of 21 from the field. He's averaging 18 points. He's 10 of 10 at the foul line. So Zach, Zach gives you a little bit more versatility offensively. Jerome gives you a lot more versatility defensively. And the, the drop-off offensively, I don't think it has been as drastic as people anticipated it might be. So they've become a better defensive team without Zach Fremantle. The question becomes, can you survive some of the, the limits that are placed on you because of your depth? If you get an early foul trouble with Jack Nunji or Jerome Hunter gets an early foul trouble, that's really going to change the way this team looks, the way this team plays, how they're able to compete. So that's going to be the big hurdle that they have to overcome if they want to keep playing basketball in March. Well, in fact, I was going to get to that eventually. Let's just get to the depth thing right now. You know, that wasn't a strength before the Fremantle injury. And, you know, Texas has a whole bunch of athletes. Uh, might that be the biggest obstacle tonight for Xavier? Yeah, for sure. Xavier's really playing six guys right now. Cesar Edwards is that sort of fringe seventh guy. He's more of, hey, Jack Nungy needs a break for a few minutes. Cesar, you're in. And and that's really what he's being asked to do right now. So they're essentially playing like a a six-and-a-half-man rotation. And and that's going to be the question that I have tonight is Texas plays eight or nine guys. There's no drop-off when they go to their bench. They're very athletic. They've got a lot of guys who can attack you. Xavier's going to need to play very disciplined, stay out of foul trouble, and uh, and that that may end up being the difference in the game. Is is can you handle the depth and the uh, the pace that Texas is going to put on you with fresh bodies when you don't have that to match that? So it's going to be interesting. Xavier has largely survived in spite of this you know this is they've been doing this now for a month and a half so it's not it's not like this is a new development that they have to try to figure out the ncaa tournament they've had i think 14 or 15 games of this under their belt to sort of get their bearings and understand how this is going to work how it's going to look how you sort of navigate having this short bench and i think they have gotten comfortable even though they're handcuffed a little bit because they don't have as many bodies also, you mentioned uh, you know, Suli Boom, uh, you know, the zero of the 48 points of the first half last week. He's had a couple first halves lately that haven't been great. Needless to say, tonight he needs to start better, right? Yeah, he, for sure. They need him. And it, it's, a, it's a wild game for him, too, because you know he came to Xavier from UTEP. Yep. His head coach at UTEP was Rodney Terry, who's now yep. coaching the Texas Longhorns, which is uh, – kind of a crazy development that he's going to be playing against his former head coach. But I actually talked to Sule after um, the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament in Greensboro, and he told me that he didn't like the rim. And, you know, if you've ever played basketball or, or you're around guys who play basketball at a high level, there's a lot of things that that they're sort of 
superstitious about, if you will. And, you know, a lot's been made about the new basketball in the NCAA tournament. It's a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, when you're on rims that, that you don't really like, I think that got in his head a little bit, honestly. So I talked to him yesterday. I think he likes the rims here in Kansas City a little more than the ones in Greensboro. But they need him to get going. He's such a dynamic offensive player. When he's on and he's hitting shots, he's getting to the rim, he's getting to the foul line, it creates another issue that Texas would have to deal with and would have to be concerned about. So they're going to need everyone tonight to beat Texas, and you're going to need Sule Boom to get some shots to fall, especially early in this game. Okay, so let's use this Rodney Terry thing and take it a little further here. Obviously, coached him, <laughs> coached him before. You've seen you know, Boom play all year long. So if you were defending Boom or if you're anticipating what Terry might try to do tonight, what might they try to do against him? You know, I think the biggest thing is Thule's not he's not the greatest defender. And I think if you watch film on Xavier all year, you can see that. You're going to know that. Whether or not Rodney Perry coached them or not, they're going to pick up on that. But I just think that he's going to want to try to attack Sule and, and force Sule to, to defend because that's clearly not his strength. Now, offensively at the other end of the floor, you know, Sule's being utilized in Sean Miller's offense in a very different way than he was with Rodney Perry. So that's kind of a new development that, you know, I don't know that Rodney Terry necessarily has uh, a great handle on, hey, how do you stop Sule in this offense that looks a lot different and operates a lot different than to how I saw him at UTEP. I think it's going to be more on that defensive end. I think they're going to look for ways to attack Sule and sort of get him in mismatches. So that would be the thing that I'm looking for tonight from like their, their shared history. Okay, you mentioned the the rims in Kansas City. Texas won the Big 12 tournament with these rims a couple of weeks ago. I assume they haven't changed the rims the last two weeks. Uh, So that home court thing, do you think that factors in tonight for Texas? I think it plays a role. You know, they just won three games here a few weeks ago. And uh, I'm anticipating that there's going to be a lot of Texas fans in the building tonight. So it's probably going to feel more like an away game for Xavier. Uh, now, what I will say is Xavier has they've risen their level on the road this year. They've lost some games they should have won on the road, but they've also at times shown a tendency to raise their level when they're playing against really good teams and they're in a hostile environment. You know, they won at UConn and at Providence this year, and they never trailed in either one of those games. Um, but Texas is familiar with this arena. They've played in this gym. They've won in this gym. They know how the rims operate. Um, it is going to be an advantage, I think, for the the simple fact that you know they have some good recent memories in this building. So Xavier's going to have a lot to overcome tonight. I'll get to one more question about the Xavier-Texas game in a minute, but you brought up UConn. Obviously, they're rolling right now. They've destroyed three opponents so far in this tournament. What's impressed you the most about the Huskies, either during the season or in the last you know, week since they started the NCAA tournament? Well, they're looking like the team that started the season again. You know, they went through a really weird patch there in the middle of the season where, you know, I think at one point they lost like six out of seven games. And this is the team that started the season that got so much love and attention from all the national media saying, man, UConn's a national title contender. 
And the reason is, is because they're they're now getting back to the way that they played at the beginning of the season. They're playing through Sunogo. They're they're getting a lot out of their guards, which was a question mark going into the season. <clears throat> They've got a ton of depth. They play physical basketball. And right now, the most important thing is that they're confident. Um, they're they're rolling downhill right now, which is a problem for everyone else. Um, yeah, so I, I don't really know what you do right now to deal with them because they look like the most confident team in the tournament at this point. All right, so back to tonight. Uh, so does Xavier win tonight, or do they at least cover the four and a half? They're getting four and a half, uh, roughly. That's the consensus number. You know, I, I sort of do this game more as a coin flip. So if you were going to take it on my advice, I think it'll be a close game. As for whether or not they can win, I think it comes down to really one thing. And what I've noticed with this Xavier team this year, particularly when they play against teams that are really good, teams that they're underdogs against, and teams that have a really good defense, something has happened some occasionally this season, particularly against UConn, against Creighton and Madison Square Garden. If Xavier's offense gets rolling and they're playing against team that can that knows how to defend and is really good on defense there's there's this odd thing that can happen sometimes where it's like man we're supposed to be a good defense and we can't seem to get any stops and i think that has a demoralizing impact and effect on a team at times so i think if xavier wants to win this game they need to throw their a game their a offensive game at texas and 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 see how texas handles that because i i have a feeling it, it can have a tendency to take teams, feel their confidence, and make them wonder, hey, what's happening right now that, that we can't seem to do anything against this offense? So if Xavier's going to win, they need to throw some fastballs on offense at Texas tonight. Adam, appreciate your time again. Thanks. Have fun. And uh, I guess you know, you've probably been told this, Joe's Barbecue in Kansas City, right? There you go. <laughs> I've heard, yeah. Okay. If Xavier wins tonight, I think that's on the agenda tomorrow. So maybe even if they lose, I'll make it out there. But I appreciate you having me on. No problem. Our pleasure. Thanks. Adam Baum of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Excellent stuff there. I'm not kidding about Joe's Barbecue. I was there uh, in the 80s. I was there again in like the ni- or mid-90s or so. And then I referenced a friend to go there the last year or two and it's still the place to go. And they've got great barbecue in Kansas City. That seems to be universally the best place. So a little triptych information for you if you ever end up in Kansas City. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll have a quick local roundup at some strategical point in the next half hour. And have only got a couple more segments to go in uh, the sports zone today. We will get to our final spring training report, which means uh, you know, port of subs lunch for two for somebody. Not yet right now, though. Wait on that, but we will get to you eventually here. And yesterday was not a good day for injuries around Major League Baseball less than one week before the start of the regular season. And we'll give you some updates on a couple of those things. Three injuries, I think three key injuries, one season ending, it appears. And two, the least uh, key players are going to key pitchers are going to start the season on the injured list. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castellux HD 2 100.7.
downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time for the KDUS hotline at 602-260-1060. Uh, we'll get to your phone calls here shortly. Get to uh, some local roundup here in a couple of moments. First up, we're going to repeat the poll questions for today. We'll answer these poll questions in a couple hours during the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. The KDUS Poll question at KDUS1060.com is who wins the West Regional Final on Saturday, Connecticut or Gonzaga. And uh, the Twitter poll question today goes back to the last segment we just talked about, uh, Xavier in Texas with Adam. And uh, who you got tonight, ATS in Kansas City, Texas minus 4.5 or Xavier plus 4.5. All right, the Suns, they play the next two nights. Uh, They've lost three straight road games. They're on the road tonight. They're an underdog at Sacramento. DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Durant are not expected to play tonight or tomorrow night against the Sixers. In, uh, in That game's here in uh, Phoenix, the Phoenix area downtown. Uh, the Suns intact or not, home or road, they need to be better in close games. It's something that they've been tremendous at since Chris Paul's been here, but not this year. Four and nine in games decided by three points or less so far this season. The Suns and the Kings playing for the fourth time this season. The last time they played, March the 12th, that was the Harrison Barnes show. And the Kings won that game 128-119. to uh, The Kings, as uh, you might know, you should know, uh, two tremendous players on this team that have really been offensive stars so far this year. DeMontis Sabonis, who I've loved since he was at Gonzaga back in the day, and one of the Suns to draft him badly and they didn't uh 19 points 12.5 rebounds and 7.5 assists per game this year for the kings and De'Aaron fox is averaging 21.8 points per game in the last 10 games for sacramento he's their closer if it's a close game he's the dude that's going to have the ball last night in the western conference Kawhi leonard 32 points on 15 shots there's some efficiency for you uh, the Clippers beat Oklahoma City 127 to 105. So the Clippers win, but Oklahoma City loses. So, you know, the, that's the two teams that are you know, just behind the Suns. So good and bad there. Uh, Russell Westbrook has actually played really well so far for the Clippers. Last night, 24 points and seven assists. And uh, as usual, Shea Gilgis Alexander led the way for the Thunder. He had 30 last night. Uh, in addition, last night, Brandon Ingram, 30 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists. His first uh, triple-double of his seven-year NBA career. And the Pelicans uh, beat the uh, unbelievably shorthanded Hornets. I mean, they had nobody left. Uh, 115-96. to 96. That game wasn't close. And as I mentioned, they're pretty much out of players in Charlotte. One other quick note from the West as far as a, a, you know, the Warriors go. Gary Payton, the second. Could possibly make his uh, debut for this season uh, for the uh, for the Warriors. Um, his right abductor injury continues to show progress. The team announced yesterday making good progress. That's what they said, and he may actually play uh, this weekend. Uh, you know, they play Sunday, I know, against the Timberwolves, so that might be something to pay attention to. So the glob of teams uh, in the standings here. 
The Suns sitting is still at 34 losses. Now, some teams have also played multiple games this week, and uh, the Suns have some games to catch up against some of these teams, but they have 34 losses. The Clippers have 35, the Warriors 36, and then the teams with 37 losses right now are the Timberwolves, the Mavericks, the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Thunder, and the Jazz. So that's quite a group of teams, glob of teams, uh, you know, three games, four games apart right now, heading into the last couple of weeks, I guess two and a half weeks of the uh, regular season. Also tonight, in the uh, some of those teams are playing tonight, including uh, Charlotte is at Dallas. Dallas, a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. As mentioned, Charlotte's out of players. So that number is astronomical. I'm not sure if Kyrie's going to play or not. Luka Doncic came back and played the last game, so we'll see if he plays two straight games. Utah most likely going to lose tonight. They're a nine-point home underdog against Milwaukee. Golden State is playing uh, tonight against Philadelphia. And uh, the Warriors uh, actually favored in that game because Joel Embiid not expected to play tonight for Philadelphia. The Suns against Sacramento, and Sacramento at last look a four-point favorite. And OKC plays the Lakers, so once again, two teams behind the Suns, and somebody's going to lose that game. So well, the Clippers, excuse me, the uh, Lakers, a five and a half point favorite in that contest. All right, on to our final spring training report for the year. And right now it is time for our final daily 2023 spring training report brought to you by Portisub. So right now, caller number 2, 602-260-1060. You are the final winner of Lunch for Two at Portisubs. Once again, caller number 2, 602-260-1060. You are today's winner. Here's today's spring training report. Bad day for injuries yesterday. Uh, we heard about this yesterday during the uh, extra point in Philly's first baseman, Reese Hoskins, and now he needs surgery to report it, uh, re- repair excuse me, a torn ACL that he suffered in just trying to field a ground ball yesterday in a spring training game. Uh, the, the original thing, well, actually this story changed a lot during the day yesterday. It looked like that he was going to be okay, and then the next thing you hear, he's going to have surgery. Uh, but he's expected most likely to miss the season. Uh, meanwhile, St. Louis Cardinals right-handed pitcher Adam Wainwright's going to miss several weeks after suffering a groin strain. That happened on uh, Tuesday. He was pitching for the World Baseball Classic, and he had a wasn't scheduled to pitch. He was actually lifting weights before the game, and that's when this actually happened. Meanwhile, uh, Braves closer Rossiel Iglesias, he's going to start the season on the injured list. He has an inflammation in his pitching shoulder, so he's he's a tremendous closer. He was great for them after he was traded from uh, the Angels to the Braves last year. So we'll see what happens as far as that goes. You know they've moved on from Kenley Jansen, so Iglesias is the full-time closer, but not for a while because he's going to start the season on the injured list. And also on the injury front, this is a little different than exactly the quote injury front. But Blake Snell, it appears, is going to be the Padres' starting opening day pitcher. Hugh Darvish is still in a build-up role after he had, of course, uh, his run with Japan in the World Baseball Classic. He's not going to be ready to start the season as a start, at least the first three or four games. And uh, along those lines, Joe Musgrove, remember, he had the injury during spring training. Uh, So he's going to miss at least the first week of the season. So Blake Snell, the opening day starting pitcher, most likely, it appears, 
not for sure, but it's uh, certainly I think uh, the you know the the connect the dots thing uh, that he would be he being Snell would be the starting pitcher on opening day for San Diego next week. All right, that is the final spring training report for this year for 2023. Brought to you by Porta Subs. Porta Subs, of course, uh, you know basically slicing up the quality that you crave: the fresh premium meats, uh, the tremendous fresh baked bread. The veggie toppings, savory sauces, etc. The taste that you crave at your neighborhood Porta Subs. Go to portasubs.com to order online and check out your closest Valley location. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's spectacular radio program with the National Roundup. We'll have the latest line for tonight's uh, NCAA Sweet 16 games. And also, we know a couple of the regional finals for Saturday. We'll get into that a little bit. And who knows what else in the National Roundup. Stay tuned. There's quite a tease there, huh? And uh, when I'm done at the top of the hour, we'll have uh, two more hours of local programming, the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. And uh, we'll talk a lot more about the games from yesterday and look ahead to the games for today and tomorrow, for that matter. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back, final segment today's Sports Show with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. Next two days in college basketball, let's start with tonight, round two or day two of the Sweet 16. San Diego State against Alabama, and Alabama pretty much universally now a seven and a half point favorite in this game. I got a little plus eight earlier this week, so go Aztecs, at least cover the number. Uh, Miami and Houston, I have no idea what to do in this game personally. Uh, Houston is seven and a half point favorite over Miami. Contrast of Styles game, probably the last time I can mention this until the next uh, couple hours when I assume we'll get to this game again. But uh, yeah, Miami doesn't guard anybody in Houston you sometimes wonder if they're scoring going to score but they card everybody and they're uh, the king of the loose balls Houston Creighton a 10 point favorite over Princeton tonight uh, total net game uh, sitting at 140 and a half Xavier in Texas we've mentioned four and a half seems to be the universal number there are a couple just in the last hour I noticed uh, a couple of fours in uh, Nevada as far as a little money on Xavier in the last 24 hours or so. Florida Atlantic against Kansas State tomorrow. That's in the East Region Championship game from MSG. And Kansas State a two-point favorite over Florida Atlantic. Uh, 144.5 the total in that game. And then the West Regional Final. The Gonzaga-Connecticut game. And Connecticut opened one last night. There's a, They're up to two. There's a couple of two-and-a-halves popping up here in the last few minutes, in fact. In, uh, at least in Nevada, against Gonzaga. And the total in that game, 133.5. All right, a couple other quick things in the uh, national roundup. College basketball slash NBA related. Uh, Michigan guard, freshman guard, Jet Howard, has declared for the 2023 NBA draft, according to ESPN. 
He actually was in and out of the lineup, uh, I think quite a bit is a correct term. Uh, he had some ankle issues, uh, both ankles, and uh, down the stretch, that's the son of Juwan Howard, and he's expected to be borderline lottery pick, uh, you know, maybe at the back end of the lottery. So that's one guy that uh, definitely is declared. And in addition to that, uh, Taylor Hendricks, maybe you don't know who he is. He's from Central Florida. He had one year. He was a freshman, and they had played for one year. He also is expected to enter the draft, and this guy is a talented player. Uh, I only, I, not even I watched uh, Central Florida play a whole lot, just a couple of times by accident if I was look, watching another team. But he's considered by ESPN the number 12 prospect on their draft projections. He was an all-AAC player. He averaged 15 points. This is quite an array of stats here. 15 points, 6.9 rebounds, and also shot 39% from behind the arc. So a talented player there, and uh, he'll be uh, in the NBA here soon, it appears. At least uh, that's what he uh, he plans to forego his remaining college eligibility after playing one year at uh, at South Florida. All right. The extra points coming up next, the next couple hours, much more on the games from last night, games tonight, the games tomorrow, and I'm sure we'll cover a few other things in addition. Uh, Hosted by Kayla, so stay tuned for that. More phone call time also, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.